At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Hour number two of a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubos, Link, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. Still to come this hour, Adam Burke on baseball from skating tripods. We'll take another look at that uh, remaining strength of schedule, see what picks he has today. Can I bring someone else? Can I bring another baseball analytics person to their knees with uh, brain dead money line parlays, which we've been doing for years now on the show, just not this early in the season? Uh, and then uh, momentarily, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob Stoll. Uh, who is a pioneer, of course, in uh, predictive models, using predictive models to predict uh, the outcome of sporting events. We have some macro college football thoughts, and then we'll get into our annual, Dr. Bob's annual preseason trend, uh, which, we, again, we're not a trends show, but this is like the one time of the year we always bring Bob on. It never, it, it, it tried and true. It's after week one. It's before week two of the preseason. And we'll ask him, is it different this year? Because we don't have a week four. Instead, it's a week off. Um, so we'll get into that as well with Bob. Uh, more, though, these, these these sports betting superstition tweets don't stop. And these are these are fascinating. It's again, uh, Chris Heath, uh, to think how much of my life I spent spinning these superstitions, it took me 10 years alone just to realize they were superstitions. Oh, no, Chris, they're science. I'm pretty sure. Uh, David Miller, uh, I'm not sure if that was Francesa would say after catching the the best line. If you're late to the wedding, don't arrive early for the funeral. Um, let's see here. John Josie, I can't read that one. That's mean. Uh, <laughs> about somebody. Vaccinated man. Uh, when you're watching a game that is a real sweat, look away from the TV and just watch in your peripheral. Don't let the game know you're watching it or it will go badly. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Yeah, vaccinated man, you can't watch that game because it'll watch you and it'll know it'll. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Sports betting superstition number three hundred seven from Stephen Vegas. Uh, I'm on a hot streak. Let me up my unit size. Guaranteed cold streak. Got a <laughs> guaranteed cold streak uh, is on the way. There's no question about it, Steve. Everybody's been there as well. Um, last one here. We'll do one more. This is Dan Wood. At Wood Dandy says, never dislike anyone. My buddy, oh, this is he was playing golf. My buddy hits a thirty foot uh, hits a thirty foot putt going right into the center of the cup. I said it's in. Well, it lips out. He got right in my face and yells, "Don't you ever, ever put your lips on my ball." He was seventy. I was thirty five. Never as scared in my life. Nice that he has a seventy year old buddy though. That's nice. Anyway, these go on and on and on. Appreciate it uh, from everybody. Um, sports betting superstition. Apparently, we're the most we're the most superstitious people on earth. It's endless. It's like twenty five of these things. Um, so anyway, those go on and on uh, about the remaining strength of schedule in baseball. Can we throw those up there, Jason, uh, for for the heck of it? While we wait for Bob here, remaining strength of schedule in baseball. And we're kind of updating these every day. Oh, by the way, we got to do our Q three thing, our Q three baseball dealio. Um, Later this week with Mark Borchard, where we go through not only, 
you know, the standard widely available return on investment. Like who are the best betting teams this year? If you had the bizarro exercise of betting them every single game this year, who are the best starting pitchers money wise? Uh, then we get into umpires, then we do five innings, and then we do the very proprietary first inning stats, which you won't get anywhere else but right here on a numbers game at VEASAN. But here's here's the remaining strength of schedule again. This is updated daily. This from the American League. Amongst contending teams, the Oakland Athletics, 532, their remaining strength of schedule. Look at that gap. Look at that gap between Oakland and everybody else that's contending, and specifically the Houston Astros. Where in the AL West, the uh, the Astros only have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Athletics. But look at the difference in schedule. And again, if you're just doing a comp on this, Oakland with a 532 opposing strength of schedule, it's as if they would have to play for the remaining 44 games of their season. The I'm trying to think of what's the closest team. It's kind of like playing the Mariners every single game the rest of the way. Uh, in terms of uh, winning percentage, Houston at 480, the equivalent for them, that's the remaining strength of schedule. Houston would have to only contend, you know, with playing a team the the likes of, let's see here, kind of like playing the uh, Detroit Tigers every game the rest of the season. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's not a big difference, Seattle Mariners, Detroit Tigers. Yeah, if you do it 45 times, though, that is a wide gap. So, for those thinking about betting Oakland to win the division, think twice. Where the where it gets even more stark is in the National League. And by the way, it is Gil Alexander. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. The National League, in case you missed this yesterday, this is where it really gets ridiculous. Look at that. The San Diego Padres, with just over a quarter of their season remaining, 42 games remaining, have an opposing strength of schedule of 552. 552. I said this yesterday. That's like playing the Yankees every single game the rest of the year. 552. And keep in mind, Cincinnati just breathing down their necks for the number two wildcard position. 67 and 54, the Padres right now. The, uh, the Reds are 65 and 55. Just one game behind the Padres now in the loss column for the number two wild card position in the National League. One and a half games back, but one behind in the loss column. Cincinnati with the second easiest remaining schedule of National League contending teams. Cincinnati has the second easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball, 463. So while the Padres are playing the equivalent of the Yankees the rest of the season, the Cincinnati Reds are essentially playing a team the equivalent of the Minnesota Twins. Eh, maybe a little better than Twins, the rest of the season. You get the idea. So San Diego knows to make the playoffs is a thing for sure. And I wouldn't go too crazy on Cincinnati, yes, because we thought that those National League East teams that aren't going to win the division have no shot at getting to the postseason. Well, the Phillies, who are a game and a half behind the Braves, and the Mets, who are three and a half back, but particularly the Phillies, they got a real shot to get in as a wild card too now. So it's a three-team scrum Apologies to the Mets, who are a little bit further out. But a three-team scrum between the uh, Padres, the Reds, and the Phillies right now for that number two wildcard position in the National League. Let's bring him in from uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado, a pioneer in using modeling, predictive algorithms to predict sports. He did this back in his day when he was just an undergrad at Cal, and he's made a career of it. It's Bob Stoll. Dr. Bob, how you doing, Bob? 
I'm doing good, Gil. It's good to hear your voice. It's that time of year. It is that time of year. Can we start with college football before we crescendo to your uh, to your NFL uh, preseason trend? I just wanted to get a feeling, first of all, even before college football, what's your off-season process? You, you handicap both college football and pro football, but college has really been your bread and butter I think for for every year, I know you maybe you took a year off or two from from pro. You'll correct me if I'm wrong there. But what's your process like? Like when do you start? Particularly college football, where there's 130 teams. How do you how do you tackle that? When do you start? How many teams a day do you go uh, through? How does that look like? How, what does that look like? It's a it's a lot of work. I mean, I try to do it as close to the season as possible, so I have you know updated injuries and ideas on depth charts and such. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. For years, I've been keeping a spreadsheet. I have, I have component ratings <clears throat> for each team for each year going back many many years with you know offensive run, offensive pass, defensive run, defensive pass, special teams, turnovers, you know turnover projections, etc. And each year, those obviously go up and down. I've, I've built an algorithm that takes returning starter data, percentage, and I track everything, percentage of you know, starters returning, obviously, percentage of starts returning in each position group, uh, t- percentage of tackles returning, percentage of sacks, percentage of tackles for loss, passes broken up, uh, rushing yards, passing yards, et cetera. So I have all that stuff that I've kept track of over the years. So now, and I can see how those things affect the difference in a team's performance in each component category. And so now I can build an algorithm that takes those things, also including uh, talent ratings, which used to be just, you know, sort of a weighted uh, version of recruiting ratings over the last four years. But now with all the transfers, I have more of a talent rating, so it mixes the transfers in. Uh, There are more transfers that are impact transfers than there used to be. Used to be one, each team maybe have one transfer that might make an impact. I'd sort of manually adjust for that. Now I have to have a way to, you know, kind of do them all. So it's more talent ratings and recruiting ratings, but the same idea. So I have a way to mix the the talent ratings with the returning uh, data in each component and and project how, you know, each component rushing, passing, offense, defense is going to go up or down. And then from all of that, I, I adjust the ratings and then come up with a, an overall rating for a team going into the season. So it's a, it's a lot of work and a lot of detail, and uh, but, you know, it's also a lot of fun for me. Yeah, well, I know that's your fun. When you when you release your plays this year in college football, not this year, but like let's say last year, because we know in your history, um, you the, the market moves with your release. Is it still moving? Is it moving the same amount? What would you say the case is now? I don't think it moves the same amount as it used to. I mean, back in you know, the mid two thousands, the lines would move like three points. You know, <laughs> instantly, like within a minute. Um, I'd say now the lines will move, you know, a half a point to a point and a half instantly, like within a minute uh, of each release. And after release each game one at a time, you you have my you have my my uh, my stuff, and you know I send out text, broadcast text, stuff, simultaneous text, and within a, within a half a minute everything moves. Yeah, we got to get down quick, but it still moves the market. But you know the market's more sophisticated than it was. 15 years ago or 10 years ago. So, you know, I don't move the market as much. Oddly, the NFL is moving the market maybe even more, which is harder to do. Really? But the NFL has been really good, especially the totals. 
Uh, but the NFL market moves just as much. I mean, a point and a half to a point, uh, you know, a half point point, which is a lot in the NFL. I mean, a, a half a point sure in the is. NFL is like moving a college line a, a point or a point and a half. Um, because the NFL has been so successful the last five years since I've re-entered the NFL market with a new model, the NFL best bets have actually been better than my college stuff. So, as I uh, as I know, Bob, last year you were. This is true because I because I see them in advance. Fifty nine and twenty seven. Bob was on his best bets. By the way, that's sixty nine percent. We're talking fifty nine and twenty seven. That is ridiculous. Uh, and then in a in a five year, just so we can uh, be fair about it. Uh, because that's obviously people are going to say, well, one year, if he can, anybody can go off the charts like that in one year. Well, not anybody, but Bob did anyway, 59, 27. But five years, you're at 59% in the NFL. So you've just been on a ridiculously great NFL run. So I guess it makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, even at 59% over five years, and this is basically since I started back in the NFL market and, and started using uh, advanced metrics from play-by-play data, and I've had help with that. I, I, I had to redesign everything, and, and I, my math is, you know, 30 years old, and I don't have the, 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 the experience in the database, you know, the modern, you know, huge databases. So I have a guy that I work with who's been great, um, and he's a mathematician slash database you know, genius, and so we worked on the models together, and we still do, um, and he's the one who, you know, sort of puts it together. We work on the models together and developing. I have ideas on how the models should work, and that thankfully has worked. I have my own ways of, of, of designing predictive models, and that's work. And he's implemented those ideas, and we've come up with this model, and it's been fantastic. 59% over five years is more than what you'd expect. And even going forward, it's really hard to maintain that. But I said that going into last year, and we were 69%. So. You know, um, who knows, but it's been really fantastic. And the college, you know, 55% long-term at college, which is the gold standard, and the NFL has been blowing that out of the waters lately, and hopefully that continues, so we'll see. Well, let's seize on college football for a second. You have some macro thoughts. One, this year, headed into college football. Uh, You have a theory about college football having more parity this season. Explain. Well, here's here's why. I mean, I'm going over these teams. I start with the major conferences, you know, uh, SEC, Big Ten, et cetera. So I'm doing all those first, and I do the smaller conferences as it gets closer. But I'm noticing, I mean, the, the median number of starters returning this year is 17 because everybody gets an extra year. But on the elite teams, a lot of those guys are still going on like it's a normal year. They're just moving on to the NFL. So those teams, Alabama only has 11 of their 22 offensive defensive starters back. Ohio State, 11. Uh, Clemson has 14. Georgia, 13. You know, the, the, the big-name teams, the elite, elite teams that, that go to the you know, playoffs every year have fewer returning starters because a lot of those guys just go on to the NFL just like they were going to, whereas the teams in the middle of those big five you know, conferences and especially even, even in the smaller conferences, all those guys came back. So, you know, a median, you know, a, a normal team has 17 returning starters this year, and experience does matter. So they're closing. They don't maybe don't close the gap on talent, but they're closing the gap a little bit due to experience. So I think the there's going to be more parity for that reason because the teams in the middle of these conferences have more experience, whereas the teams at the top still have all the talent, but they have less experience, you know, relatively to, to the rest of the conferences. The rest of the conference. So that's why I'm seeing a little more parity in my ratings. You pro- I, and I would imagine you probably came to that conclusion fairly quickly into doing your team by team where that pattern sort of developed for you. 
Yeah, I'd start with the SEC in the, in the, right away. I was like, oh, oh, wow, these teams have closed the gap a little bit. Alabama's going to probably be down a little bit. It doesn't matter how good Bryce Young is. I think he's going to be great. He could be just as good as Mac Jones and Tua. But, you know, Sarkeesian's gone. And, you know, they took a you know, they were already a great offense. Sarkeesian was there for two years, and the offense went to another level. And I think that has more to do with him than the talent. You know, and they're going to try to replicate that. But, you know, it's hard to replace guys like that. You saw what happened to LSU. You know, when their offensive coordinator left after, you know, Burrow's great year and they won the championship and their offense is still good, but not at that level. So I think Alabama's offense, their defense is going to be better. Actually, Alabama's defense looks looks better, um, but their offense isn't going to be quite as good. And, you know, but other teams are just going to be better because they're more experienced. Their entire offensive line is back. Their, their defensive front seven is mostly back. I mean, all these teams in the middle of the SEC all have a lot of experience returning. And obviously, they're no slouches. They have talent, too. So I just think for that reason, I noticed it right away when I did the SEC. I thought, huh, this is interesting. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it, it'll be, I think it'll be more of a fun year that year. There's going to be more teams in the mix. And I think there'll be the top teams will have stuff for a loss, you know, here and there. So it'll be fun. And we'll have you, we'll have you back later this month to give specific plays that you're making and, and uh, you know, your thoughts on season wins and that sort of thing. I don't want to hold you to them right now. Cause I know you're still processing everything and you have your people to give them to first. Um, one more thing about college football though. You also believe that playoff expansion, this notion of going from four teams to 12, at least that's what the current plan is anyway, uh, would also level the playing field. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, it was when they started talking about playoff expansion, and and then Dabo Sweeney came out was like, well, I don't think that's good for college football. I think the way it is is the best way. I mean, and, and people were arguing like, well, there's there's you really only want the elite elite teams in the playoffs, and but yeah, but it's the same five or six teams every year, and and Dabo Sweeney doesn't want expanded playoffs because high school elite high school players that want that exposure of being in the BC, you know, being in the BCS playoffs. Um, are going to go to these same five or six schools every year. If they expand the playoffs to 12 teams or eight teams or whatever it might be, those elite high school players have more options to be in the national spotlight, and they, I think that talent would spread out. Yeah, and and so it wouldn't be the same five or six dominant teams getting all these great players who want that exposure. And I so think that's why Dabo Sweeney doesn't want, <laughs> doesn't want the playoffs to expand because it's going to hurt his recruiting. Yeah, and I think name, image, likeness obviously has a lot to do with that too, right? You wonder if brands like Miami or USC, which have been also rands, right, for this last period of, of history, but obviously were at the top of the heap in their own eras, um, in their own uh, respective eras, you know, I would imagine brands like that will will sort of now crop back up because for the same reasons you're saying, well, I mean, if I can... If I can do so, you know, if I'll have my endorsements at USC and Miami, why would I want to go to school in some of these less sexy towns, right? When I can just be by the beach, uh, these great weather situations. I mean, I just think all of it. College football is going to look different uh, moving forward, more different from what we have known than any other sport will look different from what we've known um, in these next few years. It's going to be, it's just not going to be recognizable in some ways. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's sad. I kind of, I kind of like the way it is with the traditions, the way they are, and that's part of what makes college sports great. And I think a lot of that's just going by the wayside, which is unfortunate. 
as far as your, you know, your, you know, you mentioning the NIL deals, I mean, there's only so much, you know, money that can go around for Alabama players. I mean, there's only so much, so many promotions that, that other schools, you know, might, like I said, USC or UCLA, maybe haven't had the top recruiting classes nationally like those teams, USC has, but, you know, UCLA and some other Nebraska and some teams that have traditionally been strong. I mean, they, you know, those, those, from those NIL dollars, those promotional dollars that are being spread around, you can, one school can only have so much of that. You know, there's only so much money to go around to these players, and players might be looking other places in Alabama to get better better deals. You know, so I think it's gonna be interesting. Last thing, because I'm gonna ask you to stay for five more minutes to do the NFL preseason angle. But the last thing, have you noticed uh, over the years? Because you've been doing this for decades now, have you noticed that the sports betting public that comes to you? Um, do you feel like there's a greater wave of people that want uh, sports predictions through analytics? Do you think it has leveled off? Do you think it's less than it was? What do you see as a trend there? Well, I think in general, people are more aware of it and they appreciate, you know, I've been doing that kind of analytical stuff for 20 something years. And that's why back in the, you know, 20 years ago, I was so far ahead of the market back then. I still am. I still try to be, you know, but I think it's become more mainstream. And so what I'm doing is not so unique. And there's some great resources out there for, you know, your average, you know, your gamblers to, to look at, look at online and, and make more informed opinions. And just in the way the media talks about it, and the way it's talked about during the middle of a game, they'll bring up things, you know, metrics that weren't talked about 15 years ago. Uh, so I think the, the public's more savvy and the betting public obviously is more savvy. Uh, I don't know if that you know, it may draw them toward you or your show. It might draw them toward me because I'm very analytical. Um, but I do think, I don't know if it's changed so much in my audience because my guys, the guys that come to me have always been very analytically driven. That's why they come to me. Um, but perhaps generally, I think I'm seeing, seeing a little bit more. The questions I get from clients are a little sharper. Let's put it that way. sharper, yeah. I think that I think I noticed that even though when I was uh, hanging with you, uh, Bob Stoll, the guy who was the first person to talk about yards per play in football. Believe it or not, uh, five more minutes with Bob. We'll get his annual preseason angle. Does it apply this year between weeks one and two of the preseason? That's next. A numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Back on a numbers game right here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Um, Gil Alexander and Dr. Bob Stoltz, all brought to you by BetMGM, by the way. BetMGM Nevada, proud sponsors of the show. Uh, Bob, okay, this is what people uh, want to know because we're not a trend show, but every year we have you on because we do this one preseason thing that always works. Uh, explain to the people, if you will, what it is. Well, in general, and I, I've noticed I noticed this years ago in the preseason. Preseason, unlike the regular season, and I don't base any of my best bets in the regular season, college or pro football or basketball, on trends. I mean, everything's based on my math models. You know, the, the trends or situational stuff used to be more predictive back in the old days when the lines would over-adjust to recent results and such, and that way you, you could get some patterns that worked. 
but now everything's based on math models. But in the preseason, this angle still works. And it's because, you know, if you have motivation in a preseason game, you actually can choose to win where the other team doesn't care. They're just getting their backups in and they're not really trying to win. They're, they're playing situational football. Sometimes coaches want to win a game just to get a win under their belt for confidence or whatever reason. So I noticed this trend a long time ago in the preseason. It's basically, it's very simple. In general, and here's the general trend, teams playing their second preseason game that lost the opener, lost their first game, uh, facing a team that won their first preseason game. Those teams that lost their first preseason game are 104-65-3 against the spread since 1994 when facing a team that won their preseason opener. Simple as that. Now, I've isolated a subset of that, which I did years ago. I isolated a subset of that that's 62-16 and 16 and one, one time <laughs> against the spread. Oh 62 and 16. The thing is, not you don't expect anything to win at that percentage going forward. Most trends are backfitted, and we all know this. And you get some trend at 62 and 16, and in, in general, you think, well, maybe it'll win 53% or 50 you know, going forward. You're hoping. I mean, it's just a little bit of an edge. But I've been posting these plays on my site and sending to my, you know, sending them out and talking to you about them each year since 2014. In those eight years. The games are 17 and 6 since I've been posting them. So this trend has continued to win over the years. So I just keep posting them because people keep asking me to post them because they, they continue to do well. So it's 17 and 6 since I've been posting them. So that's not backfitted at all. That's continued on. And in this case, I do think there's reason. You know, coaches still want to win. They still want to get a win under their belt. And they might put a little more effort into actually trying to win a preseason game when they've lost the first one against a team that's won their first one. So okay. that's, that's the thing. There are five teams that qualify in that 62-16 and 16 subset. You want to hear them? Yes, Here please. <laughs> All right, on Thursday, New England is in that situation against Philadelphia. They're minus one and a half or minus two. The line's sort of split. So New England over Philly on Thursday. On Saturday, there are three of them. Green Bay plus two over the Jets. Seattle plus six over Denver. The Rams plus seven over the Raiders. And then on Sunday, it's San Francisco minus four and a half over the Chargers. Now, the two big dogs on Saturday are interesting. Seattle plus six, Rams plus seven. Because in this, in this angle, underdogs of three or more, 23 and three against the spread. And 17 and nine straight up. So who's your guy that likes to sprinkle a little on the money line? Well, that's yeah, my boy that VR. Be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I might want to, might want to sprinkle a little on the money line. It's just like I said, I don't, I don't bet, I don't recommend betting too much. Even though they've been seventeen and six, I still don't recommend betting a, you know, a, you know, betting a lot on games based purely on a trend. But this has worked Ever since I've been releasing. It's continued to work. So a little bit of fun money on these games, you know, if you're interested. Um, and that's what I'm going to do, just a little bit of token, you know, little small bets on these. I do that every year, and I wish I'd bet more every year. But, I, you know, I maintain that you shouldn't bet too much on anything that's based purely on a trend. But yeah. there you have it. Thank you for the disclaimer. You know that 95% of the audience is going to just motorboat over your last comment and just bet the house on these no matter <laughs> yeah. how many times you make the disclaimer. But just to clarify also for folks who are listening, so the the biggest – trend that Bob cited, which is again, uh, losing teams from week one against winning teams from week one, that he's willing to share to you what those parameters are. The 62-16 and then also the 23-3, and but the 62-16 and which is a subset that he keeps to himself, we just have to understand that he wants to keep that to himself, but that's where these apply. New England, 
Green Bay, Seattle, the Rams, San Francisco. And in the case of Seattle and the Rams, as he mentioned, uh, there's another subset where it's 23 and 3. Sprinkled perhaps a little on the money line. Shout out to VR Ace from the Beating the Book podcast back in the day. Bob, always appreciated, man. Thank you so much. And we'll talk very often this year, I hope. I hope so. Thanks, Gil. Dr. Bob Sports at Dr. Bob Sports is where you can find Bob on Twitter uh, for all of his stuff as well. Wish he was more active on Twitter, but the man is busy. The man is crunching numbers all day. He, doesn't t- he ain't got no time for no damn Twitter. I don't know. Maybe I'll appeal to him. Maybe I'll try to get him more social. Uh, the great Dr. Bob right here on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Adam Burke to join us later. And I want to look at this uh, worst of first prop in the NFL. We'll do that next right here on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. The VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman, hopefuls, and playoff teams, plus power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access VEASAN subscription, including our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99 or start your free all-access trial today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That is VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Pilot error on my part, Jason. I forgot to mention to Bob, because we were talking about sports betting uh, superstitions, I mentioned him yesterday, Durian, that even the most mathematical guy, like Bob Stoll, who we just heard from, uh, Bob Stoll, when he was on a college basketball heater a few years back, we were going, uh, two of us always used to have, uh, this is more than a few years back, like five, six years back, we always used to go to lunch together at this overpriced salad place in the Bay in San Francisco. Blue Barn. All you folks out there in San Francisco, shout out. You know what I'm talking about with Blue Barn. Anyway, we would sit in the same spots. He was on a college basketball heater. I dared sit in a different spot, and Bob just yelled at me, get back in your same seat, Gil, lest his college basketball plays go the wrong way. Anyway, we're all victim. We're all human to the old sports betting superstitions, um, otherwise known as science by the way. Um, okay, so this is a uh, prop that we talked about on Primetime Action you know, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, I never got around to it on a numbers game, but it exists over at DraftKings, and it's one of these interesting props. Um, what are these things where it's like, oh, wish we had DraftKings here in Nevada, where we wish we could bet it. But will any of these teams win their division? It's the old worst-to-first prop. Will any of these teams win their respective divisions in the NFL? And we batted this around, as I said, uh, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, and I, and Danielle Alvaro back then on the primetime action. So you look at it real quick, and of those eight teams, I think you have one, two, three real possibility. Well, I don't know. Here, here's who can't do it, all right? The Jets are not doing it with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the uh, – and the, uh, the Bills, Dolphins, and the who am I forgetting? Bills, Dolphins, oh Patriots, of course. Oh, yeah. oh that little team. Um, okay, then the Bengals. Bengals in the uh, in the AFC North. Well, the Browns. A lot is expected of the Browns, um, and of course you have the Ravens there. So as 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 bullish as you might be on the Bengals, I don't think you think they win the division. Jaguars. It's not happening with the Titans. Um, although some people might believe with the uh, you know the Colts quarterback uh, issues with Carson Wentz and his injury, and then the Titans. If you're not a believer, Ryan Hill's analytics, by the way, Ed Fang will be in studio tomorrow. We talked about those quarterback stats. Jason just looked at me all surprised. Uh, 
maybe you're not a believer in the Titans, but the Jaguars winning the division, that's probably a pipe dream too. And the Broncos for sure on the top row there is also a pipe dream, as long as the Chiefs exist in that division, not to mention the Chargers. Uh, The Broncos aren't winning that division. So throw those four out. And by the way, throw the Lions out as well in the NFC North, as long as the Packers uh, exist in that division as well. So that's not as long as Aaron Rodgers specifically exists in that division. The Lions Again, with Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn in midseason form in week one with their late uh, game decision-making, that ain't happening. Which brings us to the last three. The Eagles, the Falcons, and the Niners. The yes on will any of these teams win their division is minus 160. It's actually a favorite. The no is plus 125. Happens every year. So, Jason, I uh, in the in the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide, we were asked, all of us, to come up with our you know, teams to win divisions, team to be in the wild card, then, of course, conferences and so forth. I had the Falcons as a wild card. Do I think they're capable of overcoming the Buccaneers? Not as currently constituted. The Buccaneers would have to have injuries to do so. But I, I leave the slimmest little light for the Falcons. Then there's the Eagles. In a division in the NFC East, which changes its... Now, Jason, you're shaking your head No. But in a division that has a different champion every single year, you have to give the Eagles a puncher's chance. Jason continues to shake his head. I'm just telling you there's a different champion every year, which means Washington ain't going to be it if you believe in that. And Washington's schedule has real issues where they might not be it. But if you're not a believer in the Cowboys, then it's an Eagles-Giants mano a mano. I'm just saying there's a possibility. The real possibility, I think, is the Niners, of course, and that's no stepping out on a limb, but that is the most competitive division in all of football, top to bottom. I'm a believer in the Rams, but the Rams have an Achilles heel, a massive Achilles heel when it comes to depth and a lack of depth. So if they have an injury or two in the wrong places, that team could fall pretty dramatically. I I expect them to get to the Super Bowl if, if they don't. But if they do, it could be a precipitous drop. There's the Seahawks. The Seahawks issue is that Russell Wilson has saved them time and time and time and time again. And Pete Carroll has this strange run, establish the run philosophy that he wants to institute with Chris Carson or that he wants to keep going with Chris Carson, like parting like it's the early 80s with the Seahawks. But Russell Wilson bails them out time after time after time. And so what I was saying last night on primetime action is, I don't know if it's going to be this year with the Seahawks, But whenever Russell Wilson gets to the point in his athletic career where he's no longer able to do the Superman things he does on a football field, scrambling out of situations to make huge plays for the Seahawks, whenever that day comes, whether it's this year or a subsequent year, that franchise is going to fall off a cliff, too, in terms of performance. Like, the Seahawks are just going to drop out of just to the bottom. Because they have, I mean, Russell Wilson should be sent to the Hall of Fame the next day. We don't we don't even appreciate what that guy has, has done. And then, of course, the other team is the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. Chrissy Andrews and I talk about this on Guessing Lines every year, every week it seems on Guessing Lines, that the two guys we hate betting against the most are Russell Wilson and now Kyler Murray. But there's many a question mark with the Cardinals. I don't know that you catapult them into winning the division. So, which leaves the Niners, and we talked about this a little with Drew Dinsick earlier, um, you know, the fact that 
they have some easy games, at least schedule-wise, early in the season. So as much hype as Trey Lance has gotten for that 80-yard touchdown pass, he wasn't really good the rest of the way if you take out that one play. And so I think you do start Jimmy Garoppolo week one because, as I mentioned to Drew, at the Lions, at the Eagles, if you're contending, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, which the Niners of all the teams with rookie quarterbacks are, I don't think you can afford to mess around with those wins you should bank early in the season. So I think it's Jimmy G. And I think the Niners start off well, and I think they, I, I think they may contend with the Rams. The Rams are much more susceptible to injuries than the Niners are. So if that's the case, if you're not a believer in the Eagles and if you're not a believer in the, or in the Falcons, the other two teams I mentioned, then you probably don't play this prop. You just bet the Niners to win the division is what it really comes down to. And that's at plus 190. We're showing plus 180 on screen, but always shop around plus 190. Um, so it's a fun prop to talk your way through. But in the end, that was a long way of saying, uh, Eagles, yeah, maybe you play it if you believe in the Eagles and Falcons. That way you have three teams to mess around with with the Niners to, to make this happen. But if you're not a believer in the Eagles or Falcons and you just think it's the Niners, then just play the Niners straight, plus 190 to win the NFC West. Probably the better way to bet this. But good for DraftKings for putting it up. Do they have a uh, first to worst? I'd like to see that prop because that would be interesting. Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm thinking about you. We'll come back. Adam Burke on baseball. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. As summer heats up, so does the sports betting action at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Place your bets on all the exciting showdowns in MLB, MLS, and more sports from around the globe. And when you register with BetMGM, you also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. From breathtaking goals to colossal home runs, the king of sports books takes every play to a new level of excitement. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VEASAN1000 to get back up to $1,000 on your very first wager. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling prompt call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. We get tweets at Beating the Book. Uh, to say that I appreciate the feedback would be an understatement. We are overrun with uh, with sports betting superstition ones, but uh, any feedback is uh, is appreciated. Here's one, uh, Bruce Dobigan. When when dry, I try to enter bet with left hand instead of right hand. I don't even want to know what that means. Does he mean when he's not drinking? I don't want to know. Joey, uh, when I'm in a cold streak, the first team apparel I see out and about is the next play I'll make. So he sees somebody with a jersey and he makes the play. All right, those are getting a little wacky. Here's one. Uh, Podiatron, PJ. Gambling superstition. I think you and I share this one using the slow-mo feature during the game to go frame by frame to watch watch it happen, to make it less painful or amazing depending on the result. Yes, I have done that before. If it it like comes down to a pitch, your win or your loss, or just a key moment in the game, just to just to ease the pain or to make it even more amazing, I slow it down to just the snail space. Like the pitch is slowly going to the plate. Does he make contact? Does he make contact? Does he miss this? Um, something's wrong with all of us, by the way. Uh, ben Handorf. 
my betting superstition is middling the final leg of a parlay. Oh, I love this one. My betting superstition is middling the final leg of a parlay. If I don't bet the other side, the final leg is guaranteed to lose. If I set the middle, my original pick is a lock. Hashtag science. Rack that one. That's a great one. Ben Handorf, for anybody who's parlayed before and is like four out of five deep. All I need is this last one. Eh, I'm not going to hedge. Guaranteed to lose. If you hedge it, ah, simple. Len Glow, which uh, mimics some of the ones we've had before. Superstition, never say it's a win until the horse is declared official and or the game is over, no matter how far ahead they are. Yeah, we have had versions of that one. Len, you are absolutely right about that. Um, And on and on with those. And here, Bobby Buckets. Now, this is off the uh, superstitions because we just gave the Dr. Bob plays. uh, So we want to make one correction. And Bobby Buckets points this out. Dr. Bob has the Pats backwards. Pats won last week. Philly lost. Play on Eagles, not Pats. Dr. Bob called us in and said, yes, I made a mistake on that one. So, again, the picks for Dr. Bob's preseason angle are Philadelphia, the Eagles, Green Bay, Seattle, the Rams, and the Niners. Just to be uh, clear about that. Uh, We could go on. We could read this. Oh, last one, and then we'll get to Adam Burke. Gil, the most superstitious gamblers are craps players. You can't... (laughs) <laughs> you can't talk to the shooter. You can't touch the shooter. The dice can't hit the chips or someone's hand, et cetera, et cetera. And any violation of these quote unquote rules will be mentioned by another player. Good one. That's an excellent one, Darren. Um, oh, someone wants someone, the tennis, par- someone wanted me to mention the tennis parlay again. The, the players that are in my tennis parlay, I will mention these here uh, momentarily once again, but it is off the top of my head. It's um, it's Korda, it's Shapovalov, it's Berrettini, it's Horkots, and I'm forgetting one other fifth, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, okay, Adam Burke, kind enough to join us this morning at Skating Tripods, one of the great Twitter handles of all time, and a great sports betting analyst who does the greatest ever uh, MLB season win total. Uh, you know, dissertations through the years. Bang the Book has been his thing. Um, of course, uh, ATS Radio recently. And here he is with us now. Uh, Adam, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Gil, glad, glad to be here. I, uh, my mission this morning was to uh, bring Mark Borchard earlier to his knees about, uh, you know, he's a modeler. That's how he picks baseball games. And I wanted to just get into this brain dead parlay thing that I've been doing for years in September and late August. And now it's earlier than ever before. Last night, it's just like, okay, Cincinnati, Dodgers, San Francisco pays two to one. There you go. Uh, tonight, it's uh, Tampa Bay and the Dodgers for me. Other people have other uh, variations of it. And I guess my question to you is, as analytically as you view baseball, and no one is more by the numbers than you are, have you gotten to a point now where the chasm between the haves and the have-nots is such that even the picks that you think you'll make on a daily basis, you're like, okay, well, I've done this in a cerebral way, but over here, these guys who don't even know baseball are just doing these brain-dead things. Like, what am I doing banging my head against the wall? Have you ever had that thought, and have you started doing them? No, you know, honestly, I mean, if you look back through the results that we've seen over the last five years, with the exception of last season, where everything was just kind of weird and strange, and you you kind of draw a line through the 2020 season no matter what, favorites of minus 180 or higher have been extremely profitable in the last basically five full seasons of baseball, including this year. And obviously, we know favorites on a really, really good run here of late. So it's something I think makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I saw, I think you're on the Dodgers and the Rays today as your parlay. Uh, it's something that I do like to do, you know, laying the big favorite prices in parlays against underdogs that are really poor offensively. You know, if you've got a pretty good offensive team, but they don't pitch, maybe they outscore your team. But in this case, we're looking at, you know, fading teams like the Orioles and the Pirates and all of that, just really, really bad offense.
offensive teams. And I think it gives you a little bit more margin for error. So I think it's a really, really sound strategy, especially this late in the season. What did you end up with picks today? You know, it's one of those days where I, I kind of looked at the card and I thought, okay, you know what? I think that as much as I don't want to do this, I think that the Cubs line has kind of gotten a little bit too high here with Kyle Hendricks. You know, Kyle Hendricks is a guy that is still going to wind up having a pretty good rest of the season for the Cubs, even though the rest of the team clearly isn't. But now that that line has gotten up, you know, some places as high as the minus 170 range, I think that the Cubs are maybe worth a look here. I think the line's kind of peaked a little bit on that one. And also, I do like the Marlins today with Alcantara against Huascari Noah. I don't really like to play guys in their first starts coming off of the IL. I generally like to fade them or stay away from them. But I think today that you've got a guy in Alcantara who's got a really high ceiling. So took a little bit of a piece of the Marlins today, and I think I'm going to grab the Cubs now that that line's kind of peaked, in my opinion. Yeah, I stayed away from the Reds as part of the parlay today because it is Kyle Hendricks. So I'm with you in the thinking there uh, on that game specifically. Didn't make a play on the Cubs, but I get the sentiment, in other words. So you're on the Cubs. And you are on the Marlins. Cubs uh, about plus 155 right now. We're seeing Marlins about plus 105. Um, what about this notion of uh, remaining strength of schedule? The Mar- the uh, par- pardon me, the Padres obviously have uh, have been struggling. Their lead for the number two wild card position in the National League in the loss column has shrunk to one game over the Reds. And oh, by the way, the Phillies are knocking at the number two position in the wild card that door as well. Um, it's one thing to uh, to bet on either the Reds or the Phillies to get there. Again, the Braves atop the NL East currently. That obviously could change, too. But are you all about the Padres not making the playoffs at this point with a 552 opponent strength of schedule the rest of the way? Yeah, I think not even just the strength of schedule, Gil, but also the fact that the Padres have just, it, it's been a war of attrition for them on the injury front on the pitcher side. And we know that, we're going to have to talk about this late in the year anyway, with teams going from playing 60 games to playing 162 starters going from 70 innings back up to 150, 160, 170, so on and so forth. So that was a growing concern for me with the Padres anyway, as this season was going along, but then you factor in all the injury issues that they've had. And I just don't know if they have the pitching horses to get there. We know the offense is very talented, but I worry a lot about the pitching, and in particular, as you said, with that strength of schedule, when you're playing good teams, you're facing good offenses. And this Padres pitching staff has kind of faltered here over the last four to six weeks or so. I think that probably winds up continuing. So I think they're very, very vulnerable. And you know, we'll see if it's the Reds or the Phillies or the Braves or you know who kind of winds up grabbing that second wild card spot. But I don't think San Diego can keep its grasp on it at all. Back to the back to the brain dead parlays for a second because Mark Borchard, who's been on the show last week, he talked about the minus weight one eighties or above, like seven percent ROI over this massive sample size. You ran a, a query, you just alluded to it moments ago about minus one eighty favorites are better in baseball, and how can I mean how unbelievably well they have done year after year twenty twenty one at a seventy two point three percent rate twenty twenty sixty four point two percent twenty nineteen seventy three point two percent. Uh, on and on, 2018, 73.1%, 2017, 72.8%. So really, uh, they they do hit the strike price. They do they do go over the break-even. Um, in the case of run lines, in those cases, because we did get a question on Twitter about this as well. So if you took those favorites on the run line, some people not comfortable you know, laying that kind of juice, even though we give them the math and say, hey, there you go, the math says you can do this. Uh, some people still not comfortable. What about the run line? question about that. Has that been historically good? 
over the last few years, it's actually been good. I mean, it's definitely been very much on the plus side here, with the exception, of course, of that 2020 season where, you know, betting straight up big favorites didn't work out. Obviously, it wouldn't work out on the run line either. You know, it's more profitable to just go ahead and take the money line over the you know, last five years, last six years in this sample size. But the run line still has shown a profit as well. And, and like you said, I know that that's something that people kind of look to attack. And something else here, too, that, you know, I'm not sure you would agree with me on this or not, but talking about doing this late in the season, you know, maybe you look for the jackpot of a minus two and a half, a minus three and a half, something like that, because it does mm-hmm. seem like blowouts are very, very prevalent right now in Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think it's worthwhile to bring up. I, I do think you're, you going for the jackpot. I think it's worth it in many cases. We we've applied it in you know normal times to cores, right? Where we'd say, oh well, if this team's going to win, they're probably going to win by a lot of runs. Cores is more volatile, so we'll try these alternate uh, these alternate spreads. But I think now we have gotten to the point where just these aren't normal times where you should where you might get frisky and try some of those. Last question because we only have thirty seconds, Adam. I really appreciate you uh, coming on today. Uh, right now, National League West odds: Dodgers minus one twenty, Giants plus 110. Do you make either of those bets? And if so, which? Ooh, good question. Uh, I mean, I, I think right now you still trust the Giants. They've got that four-game lead, and there's only three head-to-head meetings left. So I think you got to trust the Giants there in the left. All right. Adam Burke at Skating Tripods is where you can find him, and who knows where else very soon. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Gil. Adam Burke, everybody. Uh, some of the most robust pieces about baseball you will ever see in your lifetime come from that gentleman right there. Uh, Thanks to all who uh, appeared on the show. Dr. Bob, Adam Burke, of course, Mark Borchard, and Drew Dinsick. Good luck to you. Lombardi Line, hosted by Brady Cannon, next right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Enjoy.